So uh, I'd encourage you basically just to, to read through this as we're going along um, and obviously just take notes. The idea of this whole iConnect system really is just literally to make it relevant to you, okay? And that's very, very important. So just as a brief recap, so far week one was when Pastor was talking about the vision in this house and he spoke in a very open and transparent way to us about the vision that God gave to him when he was just a boy uh, in the sunny shores of England and he's basically has grown up with that vision, obviously, and he shared that we're all part of that vision. Uh, and the amazing thing is, is that we can all be an active part of continuing to make that vision become a reality. Because as he stressed, that vision, obviously, he, in his vision, he's, he's basically speaking to thousands of people. And we're on the road there, obviously. But that vision is just continuing to grow, and every person that sat here can be a part of that. Then last week, Trey spoke again in a very transparent fashion. He spoke to us about iServe, um, which is the second part of the iConnect series. And again, the amazing truth that each and every one of us can make a difference, not just in our church, but in the kingdom of God. And that's one of the things I love about this church. The teachings that we actually get and the way that pastor speaks to us and guides us and teaches us, it's not about him, it's not about Heartsease Church, it's about us as individuals basically growing in the kingdom of God. And, you know, pastor's fully aware that there are some people in this church that will move on to other churches. And he's quite happy about that, obviously, if that's where God takes you. But the important thing is that he wants this church to basically sow into you so that whatever it is that you're doing in the kingdom of God, wherever it is on this planet that you're doing it, that obviously you're just, as I say, you're just working for the kingdom of God. So Trey spoke about the I serve and the fact that we can basically impact people, not just whilst we're in the church. Serving is not just a church thing. Serving is not something we should just do on a Sunday or a Wednesday. Serving is literally something that we can take out and apply in every aspect of our lives. So the whole connect, I connect culture is basically about his plan, my life. His plan, my life. And God does have a plan for your life. It's easy sometimes for us to fall into a trap and think that he has plans for everybody else, but not for us. But God absolutely does have a plan for your life. And our hope and our prayer for this iConnect series is that we can just have you realize that. Have you realize that you have a plan. God has got a plan for you in your life. And we're just going to try and help you just walk closer towards that. Our aim through this series is literally to help you to connect with the person that God wants you to be. That he created you to be. And I thought when we were initially talking about this series, I thought that was a fantastic concept. The fact that God has this version of you, which is in your future, and you're where you're at now. And you've already started that journey of coming 
to becoming what it is that God wants you to be, but each and every person here has got more of that journey to actually take place. And I just thought that's great, that we can mentally visualise, if you like, this new version that God has of you, and we're just on the path. And this whole I Connect series is literally not just about helping you connect into the church and to become an active part of this church. It's to help you connect with that person that God wants you to be. Now, who's seen the uh, commercial on telly for the weight loss program where the lady is talking to a slimmer version of herself? Has anybody seen that? Just a few of you. Okay, then I'm going to have to try and explain this commercial. Okay, the way it works is this, and you'll see it. Uh, I think it's called Medifast is the actual company. So um, the idea behind it is this. They took 20 people who are actually going to start this weight loss program, and they invited them to um, go to a house and basically take a video. And each individual was being spoken to or interviewed by a psychologist. And this psychologist was asking them questions and was trying to get this person to visualise that the person they were speaking to was the slim version of them. Twelve months down the road, once they've completed this weight loss programme, the psychologist was trying to get them to imagine that she was the slimmer version of the person. And it worked really well because what then happened is that these 20 people went onto the weight loss programme and the three that lost the most weight went back to the same house. They sat in the other seat and they were being interviewed by the psychologist as though the psychologist was the person that started the weight loss program. Is everybody still with me? Okay, so what we then do is splice the two together and show the video. So what you basically have is, in the commercial, you have the person who really desperately wants to lose the weight speaking to the person who has lost their weight. Okay? And the catchphrase, the tagline that they have there is, become yourself. Become yourself. And I urge you to, to just, to, I don't know, look it up on YouTube or what have you, not to promote the product, but literally just to let you see it's a really emotional thing. It chokes you up actually watching that this woman is in tears speaking to the slimmer version of, of herself because she didn't necessarily really believe that she could do it. So three out of the 20 did it, lost the weight, and they were basically being videoed. And there is a point to this. It got me to thinking about, because obviously with this iConnect series, as I said, it's weighed heavy on me that what we're trying to do is have you connect to the, to the you, to the version of you that God wants you to be. And as the same thing with this weight loss program, how many people have at some time tried and, and maybe failed to lose weight? They've maybe tried and failed to do something. They've committed to something, but not really. And because they don't believe that they can actually achieve it. Three out of that 20 achieved it, and 17 didn't for whatever reason. Now, this week is a, is a real week of reflection for me personally <coughs> and thankfulness on a really personal level. Tomorrow is actually uh, Molly and I's fourth wedding anniversary, and, um, which is obviously in itself is something to celebrate. But as importantly, if not more importantly than that, believe it or not... Uh, this Sunday just passed was actually my fifth anniversary of being saved. And, um, which obviously is a, is a, is a big deal. And um, my wife actually led me to Christ on webcam when I was 5,000 miles away. And without going into the story in too deep a detail, and again, there is a reason for this, five years and one month ago, so before I actually met Molly, I actually met Molly online, for those of you who don't know, when I was in England uh, and she was here. 
So a month before that had happened, uh, I was 39 years old. I was lonely and broken. I was uh, clinically depressed. I was actually waiting for a date to go for tests to see if I was bipolar. I was on prescription drugs and I was self-medicating every single day with alcohol. So if I'd have had a camera on me looking five years ahead and seeing me here today, healed physically, mentally and spiritually, lifted from England and planted in the United States, married to a wonderful woman with a fantastic family, expecting a baby boy, serving an amazing church, having an incredible and rewarding relationship with God, all because of his grace and mercy. I'd have been one of those people that was crying uncontrollably, just in complete and absolute disbelief. And my point of all that is not look what I've done with my life, it's basically look what God has done in my life. My God is a healer, my God is a provider, and my God is a miracle worker. And the great news here is, it's not just my God. It's the same God as your God. And my hope and prayer this evening is that at the end of this, that you can just basically just take something away from from here that's going to make you say, you know what? God does want the best for me. God has got plans for my life. God does want me to achieve and to grow and to become the person that he wants me to be. So that's basically what we're going to be looking at tonight. Uh, And it's an essential part in your work with God. I know my journey to becoming the person that God created me to be is obviously a long way from over. But I am actually on that walk. And I know that pretty early on in my relationship with God, I knew that a relationship with God was not enough for me. What I needed was a committed relationship with God. A committed relationship with God. Because the two are two different things. There are lots of people that you can speak to that say, oh, I've got a relationship with God. And that's obviously, take it from one of those a lot better than not having a relationship with God. But it's not necessarily the same as having a committed relationship with God. And that's really what we're going to be talking about tonight. Okay, so over the next four and a half hours or so. (laughs) Not really. I'm totally kidding. Three hours at tops. Okay, let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for being the wonderful Father that you are, Lord. And we just thank you for the opportunity we have now to come together. I pray, Lord, that you will just basically use me, use the words that come out of my mouth, Father, and just in some way or another, just prick each and every person here, Lord, that they might want to come more close with you, Lord. And obviously there's people here who who are committed to you and very committed to you, but I just pray there's something that comes out this evening that will just help them to become even closer to you, Lord, because that's what we're looking for. Each and every person here ultimately wants to be closer to you and wants to become the person that you want them to be, Lord. I just pray your favor in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Okay, so let's start with the book. Everybody open up in the book there, if you would, on the first page. It's on page 10. It's page 10 because that will obviously follow on from last week. And it says at the top there, everything that we do that involves our time and energy starts with a commitment. It starts with us saying, I will do that. The dictionary definition of the word commit is to bind or obligate as by pledge or assurance, pledge to commit oneself to a promise, to be committed to a course of action, to entrust, especially for safekeeping, and this one I love, commend, to commit one's soul to God. In the Bible, Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. The NLT version says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Now, there's going to be a few points of interaction here, and I would urge you just to fill these things in if you're going along as we're going along. Nothing too heavy and too deep, but it's just literally to make you think 
about your relationship with God, because that's what I'm talking to you about. It's not about my relationship with God. This is about your relationship with God that we're trying to uh, focus on. So first thing there it says is write down one thing that you committed to and followed through on. It can be a small thing, thanks so much, small thing, large thing, just something that at some point in your life you have committed to and that you have followed through on. So I'll just give you a second just to write that down. And then what I'd like you to do is to write down one thing that you committed to and you didn't follow through on, for whatever reason. Okay, so the things that you did follow through on, and don't answer these questions out loud, but I want you to think about the reason that you did follow through. Was it um, because your motivation was good? Is it because the reward was worth the work that you were actually going to have to put in? Is it because it was easy? Is it because it was planned properly? The likelihood is if you completed what it was that you set out to achieve, it's because it was important to you. Whatever it was, it was important to you. Now, the thing that you didn't, that you committed to that you didn't follow through on, and we've all got those things, every single one of us has got those things. Why didn't you follow through on it? Was it not planned properly? Was the reward not worth your effort? The likelihood is it wasn't a quality decision. And was it started for the wrong reasons? Did you start it and did you commit to it because somebody else wanted you to do it? You didn't develop the right habits? Or was it fear of failure? Which is a huge thing to can stop people from achieving what it is that they want to achieve. Commitment is more than just saying you will do something. Commitment is following through. When you're interested in doing something, you will do it when you feel like it. When you're committed to doing something, you will do it whatever the circumstances. And that's what we're looking at is commitment. And we're going to talk tonight about three areas of commitment. How you can firstly commit to God, how you can commit to the church, and how you can commit to becoming the you that God created you to be. So first and foremost, how do I commit to God? Number one, love him first and foremost. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Now, there are several ways to express your love for God, which we're going to cover in a moment. But before you can do something to express how you feel, you have to feel it. Now, this is a prompting question here. This is a huge question, but just briefly think about it. You don't have to write it down, but think about it. How do I feel about God? If somebody actually said to you, okay, you're a Christian, how do you feel about God? If you cannot say truthfully that you love God more than you love anything or anyone else, then you just need to get to know him more. I'm not condemning you. I'm not saying that it's wrong that you don't love him more than anything else. But if you knew God for who he was, then you would love him above all else. We don't serve a God that's a theory or a concept. We serve a God that's living, it's real, that's impacting on your life in every way, and that has forgiven you your every sin. He's given you more than anyone can ever give you. He loves you more than anyone can ever love you. And he does so unconditionally. How can someone truly know and believe all that and not love God more than anything else? So as mentioned previously, if at the moment you don't know and believe who God really is, you just need to get closer to him and see him for who he is. And hopefully there's just some going to be, there's going to be some points here and just some practical tips, if you like, on how to develop a closer relationship with God. And it sounds strange, maybe, because God can be looked upon. We can look on him as being this huge, complex thing, and God obviously is. And in the Bible, it says that, you know, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. 
So let me give you a tip. Stop trying to understand him. Stop trying to understand God. And stop trying to understand the concept of God. Because you never will. But there are some basic tips that can allow us, that God that we're talking about, wants to have a close relationship with you. But he's also a gentleman. He's not going to press on your life. He's going to be there and he's there all of the time, ready for you, whenever it is that you want to press into him more. So in order to commit fully to God, you first need to commit to developing a closer relationship with him. The better you know him, the easier committing to him and loving him is. In order to commit to anybody, we first have to trust them. And we come to trust someone by getting to know them and the things that they stand for and represent. The better we know them, the more we trust them and the more committed to them we can become. Does everyone agree that that's how it is with any relationship with any person? Yeah? The more we get to know them, then the more we can get to trust them. God's exactly the same. It's exactly the same in a relationship with God. And I really want to press that on you. The relationship with God is just a different relationship to having a relationship with a person. But we work on them in exactly the same way. How close your relationship is with God is not dependent on how long you've been saved and known him. It's a result of how committed you are to that relationship. Like I said, it's been only five years since I was saved. And there are a lot of people here who have been saved a lot longer than I have. And, you know, there are some people here that know a lot more about the Bible than I do. But I can say to you, and I don't mean any offence by this, and I will explain to you what I mean, there is not one person here who loves God more than I do. There are lots of people here who love God as much as I do, but there is nobody here who loves God more than I do. And like I said to you, a relationship with God wasn't enough for me. It's a committed relationship with God. All right, so number two, be obedient. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. It's 1 Peter 1, 14. Becoming closer to God is easier when you live in an obedient and godly life. God loves us enough to set us boundaries for the way that we should live. Let me say that once more. God loves us enough to set us boundaries for the way that we should love, live. All right, so the next question for you to fill in on. What are three ways in which I can be obedient to him? So why don't you just jot down three things that you think you can do to be more obedient to God, if you can think of three, just briefly. So there's a whole host of different things that you could put there, but I've got a list of love him, love others, give, serve, pray, praise and worship, live honorably, read the word, be Christ-like, forgive others. None of us are perfect, nor will we ever become perfect, but as Christians, we should be continually striving to improve. When When the Bible talks about perfection and us working towards perfection and working towards perfection, it doesn't mean perfection as we might think, as in you're flawless. You, are, you have no flaws, you have no, no chinks in your arm. And that's not what the perfection is that the Bible talks about. What it talks about is that perfection is spiritual maturity. That's what that p- perfection means, spiritual maturity. And that's what we're all striving towards. And we need to hold ourselves accountable for our lives and the decisions that we make. And notice I said there that we need to hold ourselves accountable for our life, not other people for theirs. Some of our harshest critics and most judgmental of our lives as Christians are other Christians. Know this, that when the Bible speaks of becoming perfect and working toward perfection, the word actually means spiritual and mature, as I said, and not flawless. So we're all here to help each other out. And we all know that we're all... Anybody here perfect? Don't put your hand up, Scotty. (laughs) 
Okay, so we've all got, all got work to do, but we're all here to help each other and not judge each other, and that's really important in the church. That's part of the thing that pastor is so, obviously, presses home all the time, that this is a safe place for you and your family to be. And we don't just mean physically safe. We don't just mean spiritually safe. We mean emotionally safe. We should be able to come here and not feel judged in any way, shape, or form for anything it is that we do. Okay, and that's, and that's an important thing, but we, at the same instant, we also need to hold ourselves accountable. And why is that? Well, it's because sin has a separating and distancing effect in your relationship with God. The more we sin, the more distance we are, distant we are from God. Now, that isn't because God is disgusted with us or, or upset with us and he distances himself from us. What happens is that we distance ourselves from him with feelings of shame and unworthiness. We, we, we don't feel worthy. If we, if we sin, it's very easy for us just to, just to turn away and think that God is going to judge us. God is not going to judge us in that, in that instant. It's not, going to, it's not going to strike you down with a bolt of lightning. God obviously wants us, for, for our benefit, God wants us to be sinless, to be sin-free. But when we do sin, he's not going to, as I say, shoot us down with a bolt of lightning. And what will actually happen is that the enemy will use this as a weapon and basically have you doubt yourself, doubt whether or not you're worthy to know him, to speak to him, and you will distance yourself from him. So the less sin we have in our life, then the less of a separating effect we have. My advice to you is examine your life for areas where disobedience and sin exists. We all have them. Again, we all have areas in our life where sin exists and where disobedience exists. But we all need to, if we can do, to work on it. The more we work on that, the closer we can become to God. And it's not so that you're not going to examine yourself so that you feel bad or ashamed about it but so that you can recognise where you need to make changes. And remember, sin can often be in the form of emotions rather than actions. Anger, jealousy, being judgmental, lust, pride, worry. These are all things which are technically sins and where we all have room for improvement. And lastly in this section, ask for God's help, ask for God's help in times of temptation and to remove desire for those things from your life. Temptation in your life does exist. And will continue to exist. All right? Jesus was tempted directly by Satan. Now, he didn't give in to that temptation, and he died sinless. But you will be tempted. You will be tempted. But the choices, so how close your relationship is with God, will not be displayed by whether or not you're tempted, because you will be tempted. It will be displayed by the choices that you make when you are tempted. Okay? That's the thing. And everybody is tempted sometimes in different ways. My temptations and my burdens are different from yours. And yours are different to the person next to you. But the one thing that we've all got in common is we all have temptations. Amen? All right, number three, praise and worship. All right, so we're still talking here about how we can commit to God. Number three, praise and worship. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is beautiful. Be focused on giving him praise during praise and worship. Be respectful of God during praise and worship. It's not a time to be chatting with other people. Okay, don't worry about what other people and how they are praising or not praising. All right, now again, that might sound like I'm coming down hard and being judgmental on the rest of it, but praise and worship is, is designed as a time where we're welcoming God into this place. And where we are given an opportunity, we have an opportunity to, 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 to sing out at the top of our voices. Because thankfully for me, praise and worship is turned up loud enough that we can't hear each other's voices. All right, so we have the opportunity just to, to, just to praise him for who it is. 
But as I said, it's a case of being focused on them. We don't have that much opportunity. You know, every Sunday, every service, and normally every Wednesday, we have that chance. So my advice is, obviously, we want you to be you know, friendly towards each other and talking with each other. Here's an idea. Turn up 10 minutes early. Do all your chatting and then come into praise and worship. And focus, as I said, on giving him praise. Praise God as if he is with you because, that blank space there is, he is. Boom, look at that, Tamira. Okay, so because he is. God is omnipresent everywhere at all times. God is omnipresent everywhere at all times. So, again, during praise and worship, we're not singing up to God whilst he's in heaven. God is here. God is here. Now, one of my favourite worship bands uh, is Jesus Culture. And Kim Walker, the lead singer, during one of the songs, she likes to freestyle. She goes off and just sings things out of the blue. And one of the things that she sings during a song called You Won't Relent is, I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. I want to look right at you. I want to sing right to you. I don't want to talk about you while you're not, like you're not in the room. I want to look right at you. I want to sing right to you. And I think it's very, very easy for us to speak about him, talk about, talk about God, sing about God. He's always not here. He's always up there. But he's absolutely here. And lastly, give it all to him during praise and worship. And remember how worthy he is at all times. Remember who he is and what it is that he has given you and done for you. I touched on the testimony, the fact that five years ago, who it was that I was and who it is that I am now and the rest of it. But the great thing is this, that each and every single person here has their own testimony. And your testimony is no better or worse than mine. It's a different testimony. Now, that testimony is great for use in two areas. Firstly, in helping other people to come to know Christ. Because anybody can point at the Bible and say, that can't be true, this can't be true. Or they can say, well, no, God doesn't exist, or this, that, and the other. But not one person can say to you that your testimony is not real. Because you know your testimony. You've lived your testimony, right? So that's what the, the greatest thing that you can use to actually help other people see God. But the other, the other area that it's of really good use is yourself. Remember, that, I've, and I, and that came to me recently when I was thinking back over this last five years. Because this last five years since I've been saved, it was an immediate change in me spiritually. But does that mean that I was perfect from that day? No, I'm nowhere near perfect now. Does it mean that my life was all rosy and all roses and all perfect and the rest of it? Absolutely not. I mean, I've had more or more difficult challenges to overcome in this last five years than in the rest of my life. I've had tragedies in my life. But the great thing about your testimony is this. You can look back. I can look back at that, that time when I was at my lowest, probably, and I can say that God pulled me through that. Because without God, I wouldn't have made it out of that. But with God, I did. So now at any challenge that comes up in my life, I, my testimony, my testimony is I've been in worse places than this, and God pulled me out of worse places than this. So by definition, if God can pull me out of that place, he can pull me out of where I am now. Amen? Okay, next, prayer. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. Psalm 1412. The blanks here. Give thanks, give glory, and give praise for his blessings. Why? Because he's worthy of our thanks. And too often we fail to recognize the things he's done for us. One of the most damaging things we can do in any relationship is to take somebody for granted. And that's exactly the same thing with God. God's not going to punish you for that. God's not going to give you the cold shoulder. 
But if we take God for granted, it damages us. It harms us. And like I said, going back to that testimony, we need to remember. We need to remember the things that God's done for us. And I don't know about you lot, but from my perspective, the changes that God has made in me and in my life, he deserves my thanks and praise. Pray with recognition of his power, not to remind him of how great he is, but to remind you how great he is and to acknowledge the awesome God that we serve. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, Hallowed be thy name. And the definition of the word hallowed here means venerated, revered, regarded as holy. And all of those things mean to acknowledge superiority and power, which obviously he has. And lastly, be humble. Ask for his mercy and forgiveness and thank him for it. Because that right there, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness is what changes our life more than anything else. Because once you feel the guilt, let me personalise it, when I felt that guilt that I'd felt for years and years and years instantly lifted off of my shoulders, there is no feeling like that at all. Up until that moment, I'd been drunk, I'd been high, I'd had pleasure of all kinds, but I'd never experienced joy. And when that mercy and that forgiveness comes, there's a huge difference between joy and pleasure. With God, I have joy. Without it, I didn't. Okay, so if you feel uncomfortable asking him for forgiveness and thanking him for it, you either don't believe that he'll forgive you because you're unworthy of his forgiveness, or you feel that you've got nothing to be forgiven for. Neither is true. Neither is true. Number five, strive to be Christ-like. This, again, is how we can commit to God. Striving to be Christ-like. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Okay, so I want you to write down, if you can do, three characteristics of Christ when he was on earth as a man. So three things about Christ's personality that, that you might recognize from the Bible. Three things, three characteristics of Christ when he was on earth as a man. Okay, so I've got a list here again. So you can have a whole bunch, but just as a few. Loving, caring, sinless, giving, non-judgmental, compassionate, honest, honourable, selfless, faithful, godly, forgiving. Ask yourself, those three things that you've written down there as characteristics of Christ, could I do better in these three areas in my life? Chances are the answer is yes to that. I know they are for me. Could I do better in these three areas in my life? Now, in every aspect of your life, consciously think about the way that God would want you to be and react in any situation and then be that way. Not just in church, but out and about when you're outside of this church. Because, again, one of the greatest things that you should be able to display is the fact that you're a Christian. People shouldn't have to ask you if you're a Christian. And they certainly shouldn't. If it comes up in conversation, you've been speaking to this person for three, three hours and they say, oh, what did you do Sunday? He said, uh, oh, I went to church. They shouldn't be surprised that you went to church and they should already know that that's where you were. I'm not saying be all holy-roly, as the phrase might be, and, and to be in your face with people about it. But they should be able to tell. They should not. If you say, use the words, I'm a Christian, they should not be surprised. They should already know that by how you've treated them and how it is that you've carried yourself and how you're acting. Okay? Again, these are just, it's just practical tips. On, because the more Christ-like you are, then the closer your relationship is to God, and the more committed you are going to be to God. And the thing that we should all be aiming for is not to act like Christ, 
but to be like Christ. Okay, so being Christ-like does not mean that you're acting like Christ. It means you're being like Christ. If we act like Christ, that's temporary. A conscious effort at all times. You're thinking about it all the time. If we instead become like Christ, it will be permanent and subconscious and will not take conscious effort in any given situation. So we're striving to be Christ-like, not act Christ-like. Okay, everyone still with me? All right, next section. How do I commit to my church? Everyone got that section. Number one, attend. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 11, 12. We cannot be properly equipped to do God's work if we're not part of the body of Christ. We need to commit to every Sunday and every Wednesday plus monthly events. Every, every Sunday, every Wednesday plus the monthly events. A pastor said this before and it's absolutely true. All the stuff that's put on by this church is not to make your life too busy. It's there to, as, a, as a help for you. It's there as a help for you. And, and you know, our hope is, is that you enjoy being around here. You enjoy being here. Church is like the soil in which we're planted. And this is where we get a lot of the food and the care that we need in order to grow as individuals and in our relationship with other people and in relationship with the Lord. And the simple fact of the matter is this. If there is ever a time that you don't feel like coming to church, that's when you need to be here the most. Any challenge that you might face that you feel is stopping you from coming to church can be helped by coming to church. As with all relationships, the more we invest into getting to know our church family, the more we will benefit from being a part of that family. The chances are that whatever situation and challenges we are facing, somebody else at church has gone through the very same thing. Here's the deal. This church is big enough. There are enough people here that I don't care what challenge it is that you've had that's in your life that you might be feeling as a burden that might be slowing you down. Somebody else in this church has gone through it. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. And from that point of view, there are people here who can help you. But they only can help you if you're here. And they can only help you if you get to know these people and they, and they can actually help you with, through those things. And we want to help with those things. That's why there's a pastoral team here, a pastoral care team here. Again, it's not just to you know, find a, a label for people. It's literally because that's the heart of our church. That's the heart of Pastor Philip. He wants to help you through whatever it is that you're going through. And we genuinely mean that. So if you get nothing else out this evening, just remember that. Now, I'd like you to write down one time that being in church has helped you with a challenge that you're going through. Not necessarily this church, any church. Just write down one time that being involved at church has helped you with a challenge that you were going through. Again, obviously, there's no right or wrong answer to that because it's personal. But if you can't answer that question, chances are you need to attend church more often. If you can't write down one time where being at church has helped you, it's because you're not at church enough. Okay? Church will help you. Number two, serve. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. 1 Corinthians 12.5 Our church simply cannot achieve what God wants it to without people serving. And this has been touched on, obviously, in the vision. Um, when Pastor was talking about the vision. And Trey obviously spoke at length about serving uh, in I Serve last week. As a church, we've got way too much to do, too many people to touch and too many souls to lead to Christ for just a few people to achieve. 
We need each and every person who has a heart for serving to step up and serve. We're not in the business of manipulating or forcing anybody or backing you against the wall and saying, if, you're not, if you don't serve, you're not a member. It's not what this church is about. But what we want to say to you is this. It doesn't matter if you think you can serve or not, you can. It doesn't matter if you think you have a purpose or not, you do. And you can make a difference, period. And it doesn't matter if that's just once a month, one service a month, that you want to step up and serve somebody. That might be the service, that you are that person that can relate to somebody who has a really desperate challenge. That might be that week that they come up to you because you're wearing some a prayer tag or you're wearing a welcome tag. It might be that you're serving in the nursery. But whatever it is, God might use that, that day, that one service, to put you in the right place for the person that your testimony is going to change their lives forever. If you're not serving and you're not stepping up and you're not putting yourself in that position, then you're not going to be able to help. And that's what we mean by helping and by serving. It's not just about standing at doors and smiling at people and shaking people's hands. It's not just about serving food. What we're talking about when we say serving, we're talking about impacting on their lives. That's what we're talking about. Serving is a win-win situation. That's that space there. Win-win situation. Those that we're serving benefit from what it is that we're doing for them. And we, in turn, benefit from having served them. As 1 Corinthians 12.5 says, there are different kinds of service. Trey spoke about this and some of this, uh, these ministry areas at length again last week. And the fact that you can make a difference to this church. And hopefully you've already been given prayerful thought to how you can serve at your church, not if you can serve. Now the first step on your ministry journey at Heartsease Family Life Church is to join the welcome team. And from there it can lead on to other ministries as your serving journey continues. And I'll be running through that in a bit more detail a little bit later. Number three, give. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Now, in line with what I spoke about just now, our church simply cannot achieve what God wants it to without people giving. Giving not just of their time, as we covered a moment ago, but also giving of their resources. Now, our motivation to give money to the church during offering should not be so that we can achieve our aims, as in the church, or so that we can help those in need, although obviously both of those are really good things. Our motivation to give should be to be obedient to God. So that space there is be obedient. Now, having given to God through the church offerings, it's then the church's responsibility to use those resources wisely, prayerfully, and with good stewardship. And I can tell you from my heart that you have nothing to worry about. Every cent that you actually give in this church is being used for good purpose. Giving will bring life to your finances. Pastor Phil has spoken about this before, and he spoke about it during the vision part of the church at the start of the course. And he's talked about how your finances will be brought to life by giving. And that's absolutely true. The money you give will bring life to the plans that we aim to achieve as a church. And it will also bring life to what you have left after you give. Whatever you have left after you give will always go further than 100% of what you had to start with. Now, Pastor touches on this quite often, the fact that mathematically he can't explain it. And it is impossible to explain. If you were to give, for example, 10% of your finance and be left with 90%, that 90% is going to go further than the 100% if you didn't give at all. And I can tell you that 
Again, as Pastor said a thousand times, because it's true. There are two testimonies, two types of testimony. Those from people that give and those from people that don't. And those people that start giving, I guarantee you, they continue giving. Okay, not because of what they're going to get out of it, but basically because, as I said, the remainder goes further. Number four, support Pastor Phil's vision. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. Job 33.15. Now, Pastor Phil's vision is not something that he sat down and planned. God gave it to him. We heard about that a couple of weeks ago. And that vision has the best for our church and all of its members in mind. You've heard about the vision of this church in detail. And you know that the history of that vision, the present that we're going through right now, and the amazing future that we've got ahead of us. Now, I for one listened to Pastor Philip speaking a couple of weeks ago. And I've heard his, his story before. But each and every time he speaks, he's just done, done so heartfelt. And it's completely transparent. And the reason for that is because it's absolutely real. That vision was given to him as a boy. And that vision, none of us know apart from Pastor Phil. And that vision is absolutely, as I said, got the best things for this church in line. And that's self-evident. You know, we're nine, ten years down the road now from when this church was started. And this church obviously is continuing to grow and continuing to grow and continuing to grow. And I don't know about everybody here, but I'm absolutely, count myself blessed that I'm planted in this church. Okay, now we all need to get behind that vision 100%. That's not a trick question. 100%. We need to trust in the knowledge that Pastor Phil is in constant prayer about how to best make that vision a reality. And that's something else to bear in mind as well. That vision was initially given to him as a nine-year-old boy. But it's, it's obviously being adapted and changed all the time. And it's not as though he was just given that in a single memo and God's not spoken to him about it since. That's not how it works. Pastor's in constant prayer, constant prayer about the decisions and choices that are being made about this church. Okay, so he's in constant prayer about it, how to best make that vision a reality, and that he and his leadership team want nothing but great things for this church and everyone in it. It's a safe place for you to be, as I said. Now, this is an important one. We don't need to understand something to get behind it. We just need to trust in the end result. All right, there's going to be decisions that are made by pastor, by the leadership team, that you aren't necessarily going to understand. But I would ask you just to go with the faith that it's been made, that decision has been made in your best interest. We're not all going to understand every single decision and change that's made in the church. But that's okay. That really is okay. We still need to get behind it. And the only quote that I've got for you, which actually isn't out of the Bible, is this one, which is from The Matrix Reloaded, believe it or not. And one of the council members is talking to Commander Locke. And he basically says, comprehension is not a requisite of cooperation. <coughs> comprehension is not a requisite of cooperation, which I really like. Okay, back in Bible mode. All right, so number five, spread the word. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings, 1 Corinthians 9.23. When we're committed to something that we're proud of and we're happy with, or that is having a positive impact on us, we talk about it. We talk about it. And church should be no different. We should all be able to talk about our church and be happy to invite people here knowing that we are inviting them to a place that's safe for them and their family and that will provide them with a positive and loving environment. We aren't all comfortable witnessing to others, helping lead people to Christ or preaching, but we can all invite and bring people to our church where someone will do it on our behalf. If you're not comfortable in speaking to people about the Lord and spreading the gospel yourself, bring them here. 
and we'll do it for you, okay? For those people that we know that do not yet know God, it's, our, it's not our job to save them. It's to bring people to church so that God can. Okay? It's not our job to save people. It's our job to help God to save them. Molly led me to Christ online five years ago. Molly didn't save me, but she put me in a position where God could. Okay? And that's what we all should be doing. And bringing them here, obviously, is the first step for that. Fact. People that you know would come to church if you invited them. The number one reason for people not coming to church is they have not been invited. Gold star for pastor, you got that one. Don't just invite, be a bringer. Okay, as pastors basically said, we've had a few services which have been fantastic and phenomenal over the last few weeks. But, and, that's, and that's great, obviously, and we're welcoming all new people that come to this church. Uh, but we're not a numbers-driven church, we're a soul-driven church. And if people are coming, aren't coming here that are not saved, we can't increase the kingdom. Okay, we can't increase the kingdom. So just be a bringer. Be a bringer. All right, lastly, last section. How do I commit to becoming who God wants me to be? How do I commit to becoming who God wants me to be? This is, this is, there's going to be some practical tips in here. And my, my advice to you is this, as I said. It's very hard sometimes to think of this concept of this relationship with God as being something which is so real that we can have an impact upon it. But the irony to that is, is that we're the only people that can have an impact upon it. God's here, as I said, and God is not going to wait, wait for you to... Um, God's not expecting you to do a certain thing in order for him to have a relationship. He's not hanging around and he's not going to not turn up. He is here, period. So it's down to us and what it is that we can do. And there are some practical tips that will help you to develop either a, a, a relationship with God if you don't really have a close relationship with him or a closer relationship with him if you do. Put your hand up for me if you would like a closer relationship than God than you already have. It's 100% of people. We all want a closer relationship. It doesn't matter how close we are now. I know I want my, my relationship to become closer and closer. So how can we do this? Practical tips. Number one, Bible study. Your word is a lamp at my feet and a light to my path. Psalms 119, 105. Reading the word is an essential part of your growth in God and you walk with him. It's essential. Now this does not mean that you need to sit down and read the Bible from cover to cover. If you want to sit down and read the Bible from cover to cover, then do. It's a great book. But if you don't want to sit down and read it from cover to cover, then you don't have to do that in order to study the Bible. In fact... You know, people may advise you that it's not the best way of going about studying the Bible. Develop a reading habit that works for you. Take 10 from, and that space there is 1440 in your book. If you can write that down, 1440, 1440. There are 1440 minutes in every day. Do you think you can take 10 of them? Sit and read the word. Ten from 1,440. Now I say that, and it might sound like I'm being dismissive. I'm saying that to myself as well. Because it's so easy to get wrapped up in the business of life. Take time to read every day just for a moment, for a few moments. And here's a thing. I hear people say, I'll make time to do that. You can't make time. Time's already been created. So don't try and make time. You have to take the time that you've already been given. You've been given 1,440 minutes to spend and to use 
however it is that you use them in a day. So don't try and make 10 minutes. You can't. That job's already been done. Take 10 of the 1,440 that's already been given to you and set it aside. Wake up 10 minutes earlier in the morning or go to sleep 10 minutes later at night. Or look at your, your schedule during the course of the day. If you're new to reading the Bible, start with reading the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John or find a good daily devotional and be led through the Bible by that initially. Now, I can recommend to you, Pastor P has actually got a daily devotional which is online at www.hflc.us and I might sound biased, but I'd say it if it wasn't here, it's awesome. So my advice to you is, if you do nothing else, is to log on to there once a day and just use a daily devotional. Or find another daily devotional. If you don't, the Bible's a big book. It can be a very daunting book. You can open it up and be confused by it. And that's each and every one of us. My advice to you is, is, is just find a way that you can be guided through it. And as I said, daily devotionals is a great way of doing it. If you've got an iPhone or a smartphone, download the Version app. If you don't have Version. I strongly recommend you to get Version. That's a free Bible app, and it's amazing. They've made so many changes to it over the last 12 to 18 months. You can get the Bible, I think, in about 14,312 versions. I mean, it's just crazy, the different versions you can get that. But there's also in there now a, a massive number of different devotions that you can have. And depending on where you are in your walk with Christ right now, there's something for everybody. There are small you know, bite-sized chunk devotionals, but there's also more in-depth and detailed ones. But the great thing about a daily devotional is this. It ordinarily will be revolving around a particular scripture. And my advice to you is this. Read the devotional, learn from the devotional, take the scripture that you've been given, go to that scripture in the Bible, and read the chapter that it's a part of. That's my advice to you. And then over the course of 365 days, you're going to have read 365 chapters of the Bible. And that will probably take you 10 minutes out of the 1,440. Sound like a plan? Okay. Now, the Bible is our manual for life as Christians, and every question we have about how we should live our lives is answered in there. That's fact. Whatever challenge you're going through in life, it's got the answer and the way that you should deal with that is going to be in the Bible. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realise what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do right. 2 Timothy 3.16 Okay, and that's space there. All right, don't write anything in there. Put your hand up if you're an overachiever and you've already written, my time is now. Just Tamara. I thought more would do that. And Miss Lisa. Okay. Well, your time is now, but that's not the answer I was looking for. And this actually is a trick question. So my time is. What I want you to do is very briefly, for the purposes of time, is just think of a time tomorrow that you're actually going to read the Bible for 10 minutes. My time is, and then write that time in there, in that space. Number two, praise and worship. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy, Psalm 63.5. Now, we've already covered praise and worship once in connection with how it can help you in your commitment to God. We're now going to look at how praise and worship and also prayer will benefit you in your walk. Praise and worship is first and foremost to honour and thank God, and we should never look at what we can get out of it. But there's definitely a positive impact that it has on us. By recognising and appreciating God for who he is and what he has done for us, we're reminded that we are not alone in any situation. With God behind us, there is nothing that can overcome us. Listening to worship music each day can help, really help, us to stand strong and remain positive because it helps us to keep things in the right perspective. 
personally, if I, if I don't listen to praise and worship at least some point during the day, I'm, I'm different. I can't explain it to you more than that. It's just different. It's like trying to describe to somebody who doesn't, who's never eaten a strawberry. It's like trying to describe to them what a strawberry tastes like. I'm not saying it tastes like it tastes good, because it does taste good. But can you actually describe what it actually tastes like? It actually tastes like strawberry. That doesn't help if you don't know what strawberry does, tastes like, right? If you don't know what it tastes like. The same thing is true for praise and worship, listening to it during the day. It's a and stupid analogy, I know, but trust me. If you listen to praise and worship every day, your day will be different. Your day will be different. The more we get to know him and appreciate him for who he is, the closer our relationship becomes. We covered that earlier, but it's so true. The closer we get to him, the more we trust him, the more we become committed to him. And praise and, praise and worship reminds us of how much he loves us. Our aim is to develop a relationship that's so tight and so close with God that nobody can shake it. That nobody can shake it. I can absolutely say this to you 100%, and I know this is not going to happen, and it's an incredibly stupid thing to say again. But if Pastor Phil ever came to me and said, Pete, I consider you to be a good friend, this God thing, mm, I'm not quite so sure anymore. Now, that's obviously never going to happen, but if he was to come to me, I would say to him, Bill, you're a good mate and all, but this God thing absolutely really is. Okay? So nothing should be able to shake your belief in your faith in God. And the only way that that can come is not because you trust the person. I trust Pastor Phil with my life. But I don't trust in God and believe in God and my faith in God is not anything to do with how much I trust him. It's how much I trust him. And that's what we should be developing, a relationship which is that close and that strong that nothing can change that. Praise and worship is an important part of our walk with the Lord and should not just be something we take part in on Sunday and Wednesday. Again, every day. And there's no excuse to not do it. There's no excuse to not do it if you want to do it. Worship music is easily accessible. You can get it on iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, CDs, K-Love Radio, TV music channels. There's absolutely no way that you can't hear some praise and worship during the day. Number three, prayer. Do what I can do to wrap this up. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Jesus, Philippians 4, 6, 7. The important message in this scripture is not to tell God what you need and he'll give it to you, but rather to hand over everything to him. The message here, here is that we should not worry about anything, but by praying about everything and handing it to God, we'll receive his peace beyond all understanding. And that peace will guard our hearts and our minds. Like I said, you're going to face situations in life and you're going to face challenges in life where God is the only place you can go. You're going to have those situations where you're not going to understand why it is that God's allowing this to happen, as some people might phrase it, why it's impacting upon your life, what's going on. You're not going to understand it. But as I said to you already, I'm trying to take the pressure off you. Stop trying to understand. You don't need to understand. But by praying to God and by handing over what it is that is burdening us, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to take the, the heavy things on your heart, he wants you to lift them and hand them over. Not share them with him. Not have him carry half and you carry half. He wants you to take it and give it. And forget about it and leave it with him. 
That's basically what he wants us to do. Now, too often it's easy for us to say that we're giving it to God and then 30 minutes later we're still holding on to it and worrying about it. And worrying is not going to change a thing. Handing it over to God absolutely will. Again, by praying to him and trusting in him, we become more committed to him and find peace in him. The more we pray, the closer our relationship with him becomes. Every relationship requires, and the word here is communication, communication, to become stronger and more meaningful. Every relationship. And our relationship with God is no different. Now, I consider I've got a good relationship with my wife. We communicate a lot. If I stop communicating with my wife, then my relationship would deteriorate rapidly. And the same applies to God. If we can't say, we can say we have a relationship with God, but we can't say we've got a committed relationship with God. If I said to you, if you came to me and said, I've got a committed relationship with God, and I said to you, that's awesome, I'm so pleased for you. Isn't it the most fantastic thing? Like, you know, when you get in that, that time when you're praying with God and you went, whoa, whoa, prayer? Then I'm going to be saying, well, when's the last time you prayed? And then if you said, five, six weeks back, then I'm going to say to you, well, it's great that you think that you've got a committed relationship with God, but let me give you some advice. Because that's not a committed relationship with God. Now, am I judging any of you if you're not praying regularly? No, I'm not. But if you're not praying regularly, then that's the one thing you need to take out of tonight. Because that communication with God is absolutely essential. You can't have a relationship, a committed and a close relationship with anybody if you're not communicating. Prayer is communication with God. That's, that's all it is. Now, some people don't pray because they don't know how to. Just speak to God like he's there. Why? Because he is there. Just talk to him like he's there when you're driving. Talk to him like he's there in the passenger seat. Okay? Just, just as I said... Communication is essential. Prayer is simply one-on-one communication with God. That's all it is, with our God. And what a privilege. The huge thing to consider and be excited about is the fact that this communication is two-way. God will speak to you if you're speaking to him. God will talk to you. God will answer your prayers. Like I said, it's not some concept. It's not some idea. Our God is real. Our God is alive. And our God wants to have relationship with you. God will speak with you. I promise you. If you're talking to with God, God will speak to you. He'll speak to us all differently and he'll speak to us in different ways. But trust me on this, the closer you get to God, the more you'll hear him. Because God, as I said, is a gentleman. And nine times out of ten, my personal experience is he speaks in a very quiet voice. But if I'm talking with him in, in communication and in conversation... I'll hear what he's got to say. If I'm not talking to him, he might be talking to me every day, but I'm not going to hear him. Fasting. So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us, and he heard our prayer. Fasting is an excellent way to come closer to God in your relationship with him. And fasting helps us to focus on God and to lean into him. There are no right or wrong ways to fast. That's what those spaces are, right or wrong ways to fast. Fasting basically means that you're giving something up, something or some things up for a period of time in order to help you to focus on God. The only golden rule for your fast to work is that whatever you give up is actually a sacrifice of some kind. Okay? 
It has to be something that which is a sacrifice of some kind. And sacrifice is basically giving up something that you love for something that you love more. Fasting is one of those things that can be very individual and very personal. The effect that it can have on your relationship is very hard to describe to somebody who has never done it. But we promise, that, promise you that it will only have a positive effect. Fasting, again, is one of those things that is very hard to describe. But again, much the same as with giving, if you speak to anybody who's fasted, they will tell you that they will continue to fast. Fasting is something which is very individual and it is very, very personal. But it's, a, it's an opportunity where you can become more close with God, where he can, you can hear his voice more. If you want to know anything about, any more about fasting, ask. If you'd like to know more about fasting, I really recommend if you've never done it, then find out about it. You know, again, we're not going to force you into it. It's not something which is obligatory, okay, but it's something that we would recommend. If you need to know anything about fasting, then ask any of the leadership at the church and we'll be happy to help you. And finally, number, number five, living your calling or finding out what your calling is. And this is how you can commit more to your walk with God. Living your calling or finding out what your calling is. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, one of my favourite scriptures. Your calling is simply God's plan for you. We've spoken about this iConnect series as being a way for us to help you to connect to the person that God wants you to be. That person, that version of you, is who you're called to be and who God created you to be. That's what your calling is, is to be the person that God created you to be. Now, your calling does not have to be some massive and world-changing thing in the eyes of others, although it could be. Living the life that God has planned for you, whatever it might be, will be pleasing to him and will be a blessing for you. Now, it doesn't matter what your calling is. It doesn't matter how grand your calling is or otherwise. It doesn't matter how small you would consider your calling to be. The fact of the matter is this, that God has a calling for you. If you live in that calling, he's pleased. He's pleased. And your life will be blessed accordingly. If you're not living that, call, that, that calling, then you need to find out what that calling is and start to live that calling. As I said, it doesn't have to be some massive thing. We're not all called to basically stand on stage and preach. We're not all called to, to play an instrument or sing in praise and worship team. We're not all called to work in the nursery. But if you are called to be in those areas, then that's where you need to be. The challenge for many of us is that we don't yet know what our calling is. And if you don't know what your calling is, let me tell you two things. Firstly, it's normal. And secondly, it's incredibly common. There are a few people, very few people, who are 100% clear on what their calling is. But the majority of people are still being guided towards it. Truthfully, if God were to show us in an instant what the future us looked like, it may well be very daunting for us. It will be very daunting for us. I mean... If I know I spoke about it earlier on, but if I had that video camera on me five years and one month ago when I was in my apartment, sat there, and somebody had showed me where it would be, I was going to be like tonight, today. Now, I, like I said, I would have either been crying uncontrollably or I would have jumped out of the second floor window. One of the two. I'd have been completely blown away by what God can actually do and what God's calling is on people's lives. So, you know, you're not going to see it all in one instant. Pastor Phil has an idea, has a vision, but that's being adapted. And the thing about your calling and your, and your, your vision and your walk, if you like, you can only see so far ahead. And thank God for that, like I said. If we saw the whole thing, it would scare us witless. You can only see so far ahead. But if, if, you, if you imagine you're driving along and it's foggy and you've got your headlights on, you can see 100 feet in front of you. 
Now, that 100 feet is always going to be the same 100 feet if your car's parked and you're in neutral. It's always going to be the same 100 feet that you see. That's the 100 feet that I've got ahead of me. Now, if you want to see the next 100 feet, you've got to travel that first 100 feet. Make sense? If you're not traveling that 100 feet, you're not going to see the next bit, and you're not going to see the next bit. So if I know that my calling is 1,000 feet ahead, I've got to do it in 100 feet chunks, right? Is that making sense? Because that's just come to me. But, so 100 feet at a time. But if you're not, you're not going to see 1,000 feet ahead. You can only see 100 feet ahead at any time, but you have to start the journey, okay? So list two or three things that you're good at or talents that you possess. Two or three things that you're good at. Now, I want you to write this down, and I don't want you to feel any pressure about this. I don't want you to think that these have got to be massive things, because they don't have to be massive things. They don't have to be some rare talent that nobody else has got. Just something that you're good at. Just thinking of something that you're good at on a day-to-day basis. Encouraging others. If you're good with kids, cooking, being organized, cleaning. Anything that you know that you're reasonably good at. Now, any talent that you've listed there is God-given. And one or more of them, or any that you're not written down, may be what God wants you to use in your calling. But if you're, you know, as an example, incredibly good at playing the bass guitar, your calling might not be to be in praise and worship, but it might be. And if you don't tell anybody that you're really incredibly good at playing bass guitar, we can't help you find out. If you're not currently serving in any way, and you're waiting for God to tell you what your calling is, don't. Don't wait. Start serving. And then the path God has for you will become clearer. Like I said, if you start serving, if you're not serving yet, you start serving, that's your first, that's putting your, gear in, that's putting your car in first gear and actually driving that first 100 feet. And then whilst you're serving, we'll help you to see the next 100 feet and what it is that you actually need to do there. And the first step, as I said earlier on, is basically joining the welcome team ministry. And that's the next step on your journey to becoming the you that God's created you to be. This welcome team ministry is a ministry which is designed in such a way that it's not just about you coming and serving and shaking hands. It's a very important part of the welcome team ministry. It's important that people feel greeted and loved in this place. And I have the privilege of speaking to most, new, most of the new people that uh, attend our church. And the, the one common factor that they give as feedback is how loved they feel in this place. And long may that continue. That's the heart and the DNA that pastor is looking for. And that's what we want from this church. So as a part of the welcome team, then that's what we do, that we love on people when they arrive and we find out we make them feel welcome, make them feel like they want to come back. And that's all very, very important. But from the welcome team, then you will go on. If you, we do help you find your calling, if we do help you find your other talents, if you feel led that you actually want to help out in the nursery, then through the welcome team, we will give you the training, we'll put you in the contact with the right people from there. And once you've served on the welcome team for a few weeks, you'll then have those ministry doors opened up to you and you'll basically go from there as well. But the first step for anybody for serving in any ministry in this church is to pass through the welcome team. Now, if you're feeling led that you actually want to get involved with serving, the only thing you have to do is to write your name, your email address and your telephone number on the registration form which is sitting on the information desk by the door. Do you have to do that tonight? Absolutely not. Would I like you to? Absolutely. And if you don't do it tonight, then do it on Sunday. But just put your name and your email address and your telephone number. After that, I'll be in contact with you and we'll discuss what it is that you want to do. You don't have to serve any more than one service a month. You can serve every service every month if you'd like, but we advise you not to do that because you'll burn out. But you can serve on one 
service on a Sunday and then attend the other. There's all sorts of ways we can do it. So all we have to do is just to have a talk about it. All right, so wrapping up, and I'm sorry I'm over time. Finally, I just want you to think about, and you don't have to write these down now, I would urge you to, to write them down and think about it at home. Which of the areas that we've spoken about in this Our Commit session do you think that you've good habits in? Again, across the board, there are going to be people here that already are doing you know, regular Bible study. They're reading the Bible every day. They're listening to praise and worship. That they are coming into praise and worship and giving it their all. There are those, but there are some areas of what we've spoken about, I'm sure that, you know, well, I know. You've got room for improvement in. And which areas do you feel you can improve in? And the last thing here that I'd like you to do as well, what three practical things will I commit to doing or not doing for the next 30 days? And please do take some time and give that some thought. And why why the 30 days? Because if you do something for 30 consecutive days, it's been proven it's a habit. It's a habit. And then it's harder for you to not do it on day 31 than it is to actually do it. Okay? And the the same thing is true the other way. To stop doing something for 30 days, it will then become incredibly hard for you to actually do it. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Okay, so wrapping up, over the last three weeks, you've learned about the vision of our church, about how you can serve in our church and how you can commit to God, to our church, and to becoming the you that God wants you to be. We've provided you with some of the ideas and tools that you have his plan become a reality in your life. And we will be here from this point forward to help guide and support you as you continue your walk. But it's up to you to put one foot in front of the other on the journey. If you'd stand. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp.hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.